Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations, because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has tons of cool features like curated, shareable playlists and collections made just for you, along with personalized recommendations to help with content discovery. And the best part is, it's super easy to use. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. So do yourself a favor, download Himalaya today, and be sure to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 192 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, July 8th, Mm -hmm. 2020, I guess. Yep, yep. I'm Josh Cannon. I just woke up, uh, what, 20 minutes ago from a nap (laughs) because I forgot we were doing this. And uh, And it's not obvious at all, is it, folks? (laughs) My allergies are flaring up right now, and I am slightly hungover, so... Pretty typical mood for me, and uh, I'm here with my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing all right. Uh, I will say this. If you're thinking about doing a combo of uh, Jack in the Box burger and fries and their mini tacos all in one night, don't do it. Is that a deal it's not worth it. that they have where you get the, the no, taco and it, the burger? It, no, I just was like, oh, you know, I don't have to work the next day. And, you know, it was like, it sounds good. But my stomach is still hating me right now. So, yeah. This is like your Not version fun. of like a bender. You're like, I don't got to work tomorrow. I'm getting fucked up tonight on food. <laughs> yeah. Basically. <laughs> you know, burger places that try to do the whole taco thing, I don't really trust that at all. You know, it's like. Uh, you know, well, I've had them before, and they weren't bad, but I think it's just a combo of things. My stomach was just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> um, I think Taco Bell feels like kind of like a slap in the face every time, because Burger King tried to do tacos for a little bit. Yeah. I think Taco... Well, Jack in the Box, these mini tacos, they're not that bad, but they're not amazing either. Really, what what you get a good amount of them for like three bucks. So I think that's really what the selling point is. Um, now they don't, and and the thing is, maybe the ones that I had before were 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 uh, better or something. Maybe this is not really the best batch uh, because I mean, there was even one taco that didn't have any filling in it. It was just a fried taco shell. Oh, what the fuck. <laughs> Yeah. I think that certain individual might have hated their job a little bit. Whoever made whoever made that taco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those tacos. Yo, yeah. Fuck this shit. I'm he's just getting the taco. Just getting the shell. <laughs> so yeah. I as I might have said before, we don't have uh Jack in the Box down in the south. Mm-hmm. So like what uh what would you compare them to? Are they more of a Burger King, more of a McDonald's, more of a Wendy's? Do they taste anything like any of those or it's is No, they don't really uh do you have any like other sort of specialty sort of burger places? We got like Whataburger and um Probably uh, a less classy Water Whataburger. Okay. You no, know, not nearly as good quality. Like a step down or a couple steps down. 
Because Jack in the Box isn't technically on the same level to me as Burger King or McDonald's. Like they put a little more effort into things, a little bit better ingredients. At least not with mini. The mini tacos aren't really one of those <laughs> things. But with their burgers, like the buttery Jack, that's what I had. That was still really good. Buttery Jack. Um, yeah. Isn't isn't there a, isn't there a mascot some creepy looking like like yeah it's a guy in a suit with like a, a what looks like a ping pong ball for a head with like you know a smile on it and eyes and a nose it looks like this one little, of those like like like, like handmade carved out of wood turn of the century like Tinker Toys or some shit yeah Tinker Toy kind of thing or there was a time where. Uh, you could buy his head as an antenna topper for your oh for your God. car. Yeah. That is so that is so ridiculous. I think they know that their mascot is creepy, so they just like roll with that. Like really, they don't necessarily roll with the creepy aspect of the mascot. He's just kind of what he is is uh, aloof and kind of. Uh, Really, a lot of it's they kind of play him off as like really arrogant, but like it's not really necessary. Like he's just kind of an arrogant ass in a lot of uh, a lot of these uh, commercials. I just like hearing you describe to me the personality of a fast food mascot that I'm unaware of. <laughs> well, just, I mean, the Burger King. Do you remember those ads? The King. That was creepy. That was creepy. Yeah, he'd be like standing outside your house with that that oh, yeah. permanent smile fixed on his face, uh-huh. dressed in those king robes. Yeah, that that was cr- my that da- whole the whole that whole ad series where that he actually would appear in bed and hand you a whopper. <laughs> no, <laughs> fuck that. That's fucking that that that. <laughs> I like that kind of marketing though, because they are fully aware that it's creepy yeah. as hell. And that's the whole reason why they're like doing yeah. it. Like that's just funny to me. My dad <laughs> used to work for King Provision, and they were like the distribution warehouse that supplied all the Burger Kings in uh-huh. this particular region with with you know all the supplies for their stores, whether mm-hmm. it be the pre-made egg white solution or the ice yeah. cream or whatever. And um, they had these like promo T-shirts um, at the time. And God, I wish I had held on to it because one of the T-shirts was this very realistic drawing of like the Burger King guy in like, and this is in the '90s. This is way before that ad campaign. Okay, he was like this real drawing of this King guy, uh, the Burger King, and he had Ronald McDonald pinned down on the ground, and there was like blood. Or oh it's supposed to look like ketchup, I guess, and like <laughs> burger patties everywhere, and he oh and, my God. and his face was all like swollen and bloated. Holy shit! And yeah, like I hated that shirt growing up because I felt so bad for Ronald McDonald's. Like, God, yeah, that's so that's so violent. Like, and now, now you're like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, now now I'm like, dude, that would be an awesome shirt. It's, it's so punk. Yeah, really. well, I mean, it's 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 like. It's like taking something that was never meant to be like realistic and making it like super realistic. Like these two dudes. I can't imagine McDonald's having their own version of that shirt, but they might. Who knows? I didn't think Burger King employees or Burger King had shirts like that. I don't think it's something. I don't know. 
I know it was real. I know for a fact it was a real shirt because it really like left an impression on me. But I don't know when or where they would have given that out. I mean, the 90s, obviously. It was probably only for employees. It was yeah, probably, you know, something. corporate, something like that. Yeah, because they weren't going to sell that in, in stores. Uh, 90s <laughs> was a different time, though. I mean, that kind of stuff. Although that'd be a lawsuit. McDonald's would yeah, jump on that immediately. Yeah, you would think so. You'd think McDonald's would be like, dude, this is like, this is really like hurting our brand and you're defaming our character and it's going to cause harm to, uh -huh. yeah. So that probably would have been a lawsuit for sure. But yeah, I, I, I remember seeing that and being like, wow, that's, I feel so bad for Ronald McDonald. Why can't they just get along? Why are they fighting each other? I'm sure that shirt's on eBay somewhere. So anyway, um, day was it day day 10 yeah this is officially day 10 of my coronavirus journey and you heard about uh some unsettling things like uh you might not get your sense of smell and taste back well yeah morgan months, uh, our, our dedicated listener later. from canada morgan i guess she works in the medical field and she was telling me that dropped the bombshell yeah she's like sometimes <laughs> it takes months and i'm like dude I'm not trying to hear that right now, okay? Just just <laughs> lie to me. Lie to me and just tell me everything. Lie to me. Tell me everything is all right. That's what I need right now. I need lies. I don't I don't want facts. I don't want I want to hear that I'm going to go another few months of no taste and smell. Um I did go out uh drinking last night and kept my social distance and all that. Um, so I am feeling a bit sluggish today, but yeah, I mean, overall it felt fine. I mean, I also came in contact with some cats last night, so my allergies, I think, are kind of pissed off right now, but, um, yeah, I mean, it sucked, man. Like, quarantining for, like, as long as I have, like, it, 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 uh -huh. it sucks. It's very lonely, like. So, with, uh. I haven't really had any, you know, uh, of that, um, and I'm hoping with the proper protocol and wear my mask and everything that, you know, I won't catch it. But um, people who aren't willing to wear their masks at, uh, who come into my work, that that is not going to help. <laughs> and it, it's and there's a lot of these like, okay, if you have a legitimate health problem, breathing problem, understandable. If you don't, and you're one of these white Karens who are going around, there, there's, like, videos of this Karen who, like, knocks over this uh, this uh, stand of masks at a Target. And then there's other ones that just, like, are just total Karens about it. And you're like, for fuck's sake, like, you do know that this isn't necessarily only to protect you from potentially catching the virus, but it's also to prevent uh, other people from catching it. Yeah. Because you could be asymptomatic and you don't know that you have it and you're spreading it to other people. Right. I feel like America is a very rebellious country. Obviously, that's how we're not all English still is because mm -hmm. a long time ago, our people rebelled and said, fuck this. I want to, you know, fuck goats my way. So I'm going to go to this other country where I can fuck goats freely the way I, in, the, in the style I had want. had it 
my way. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel that attitude still carries on into current day. Americans in general, as soon as yeah. you tell them you have to do this, you have to do that, like the our first reaction, many of us, not all, but many of us, the first reaction is, fuck you, I'm not doing that. Make mm. me, especially in the South, become such a fucking politicized it's and, thing. and the thing is, it's 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 a it's a pandemic. We're still in a pandemic right now. It should just be common sense if you ask me. Dude, Florida is is so bad right now. Like yeah. as far as our new cases, like I seriously, I heard your ICUs are pretty bad too. I heard like you know the hospitalization rates. You know yeah. the the ICUs are filled yeah. in a lot of places in Florida. That's that's not good. Mm-hmm. At all. Yeah, it almost makes me want to move to a different state until all this blows over. Because seriously, at this fucking rate, like, good lord, man, like, we're, it's gonna take us, like, two or three years before everything normals out over here, you know, like, all these, I feel like, I feel like we're gonna be one of the last states to, like, get our shit back together, because, like, all, a lot of the, especially, like, Massachusetts and some of these other states that, like, took the lockdown a lot more seriously, like, now they're like kicking ass and taking names as far as their new cases are concerned and you know everything's gone down. Well, I mean over here things are are kind of rising a little bit, but not ne- not in my uh uh neighborhood at, at the moment. It's still happening in Clark County and in Washington in general, but it's not like to the crazy extent that's going on in in Florida. Like that's got to be scary. No one can man. compare with like Florida. It, right feel, now. it feels like it must feel like since you have it and you know plenty of people now that have it, it must feel like you're in the middle of of a different kind of hurricane. You know the it corona. Do, yeah, hurricane. no, it really does. I feel like I'm surrounded by this shit. This in, this invisible enemy, as Donald Trump likes to call it. Um, yeah, fucking Massachusetts right now. I'm looking at their statistics and. Yeah, they're ever since the beginning of June, they've just gone down. And as of July 7th, they had 201 new cases. That's it. Mm -hmm. Compared Mm -hmm. to Florida, where as of that, the same date, July 7th, we've had 7,347 new cases. Damn. Yeah. And that's not even the high number. The high one was back uh, July 4th. It, we had 11,458 new cases in one day. Happy 4th of July. Yeah. Yeah, let me check your state of Washington. Oh, yeah, you guys are starting to spike up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were you were down in during May, and then slowly but surely you, yep. you're starting to get... But still, though, like, you're, you peaked uh, July 3rd. Fifth with 1,081 new cases, and now, mm-hmm. I mean, it still doesn't really touch Florida. That's, yeah, that's crappy. What about New York? Is New York still off the chain with this shit? Oh, no, New York's, that New York's definitely flattened out. They went from 10,000 cases in April a day to now only 588. So everyone's, yeah, everyone's like, Gotten their shit under control, except Florida. Uh, and I guess Texas is pretty bad, too. So that's cool. You know. It, Are you surprised, though, having lived in Florida for most of your life? No, not really. I mean, 
I, I remember it was probably kind of embarrassing for a lot of these like conservative radio talk show people because before everything went to shit, they're like, you know, oh, and just look at Florida. Look how good of a job they're doing with uh, reopening. You know, everyone should be like like them and follow their example. And then then the shit hit the fan and everyone got real quiet about how everyone needs to be more like Florida because it was mm-hmm. because it's like, whoa, OK. This is what happens when you open too early and you loosen up your your restrictions on social distancing. You fucking well, I mean, it, I mean, the social distancing restrictions are still there, but people aren't following them. So, you know, that that's well, because when you have bars open, it's kind of impossible to exercise social distancing as much yeah. as much as people might try. Like they're not really feeling it, you know? So it's Yeah, just... it's not the same thing for uh, restaurants where, like, you can actually have, like, tables and right. all this stuff. Right, when you're it's forced like... to sit down in a certain area, it's a lot easier to space people apart. Um, God, Montana, they're, they're, like, they're peaking at 44 uh-huh. cases. This is why I'm thinking movie theaters, like, I don't know about that. I don't even know about their like scheduled like we're gonna open back up in, in what is it August or something or October? I don't know. I don't I don't see it. I don't see it happening. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, if things keep spiking that there's just gonna be another like, okay, we're back to a lockdown, da 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 you know. And that's kind of what I've heard about. I heard about that before all of this. I, I heard from like I read things where they're like Experts are talking about how we'll open things back up, there'll be a spike, then, you know, we'll close things, have more restrictions, and that's exactly what's happening right now, which is, I I think that was the expected outcome, that, you know, we're going to try to open things back up, but then it's going to be like, holy shit, like, uh, we can't handle this, Uh, let's close it down, or go to phase one, you know, like, like that. But it's it, it's 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 going to be incredibly difficult because of the size of our country, for one. But in the meantime, we have new unsolved mysteries. That's right. That we can, you know, distract ourselves with, or or you know, reset our focus on at, at least temporarily. Um, I've already watched all of them. I think there was only like seven of them, right? Like yeah, it was like six or something like that. I haven't watched all of them yet. Um, the thing is, because it's volume one and it's Netflix, you're not going to get as much. But the thing is, think about it this way. When the show originally aired, you know, it was like, what, every week, I think? Or was it every other week? Or I think it was weekly. Yeah, it was weekly. Um, so you got more episodes, but this is also a series that's extended. So there's that. Um, I will say this, folks, before I get into this case of Ray Rivera, because that's the focus of, of this this uh, particular episode. The mystery on the rooftop. I wish I did watch this first when it comes to the new Unsolved Mysteries, because this is a much better first impression. Uh, Josh was right, and I would say this isn't on par with the original for me. It, it's it's still below Prime Stack, Prime Unsolved Mysteries, 
but it's still above average at least this particular episode like this one this one was a good one and i think the main reason a lot one of the main reasons for that is one of the main reasons why good cases on unsolved mysteries are good cases and make for good segments you have a case that's interesting you have a case that is genuinely mysterious and has a lot of questions you have a case like this that really does make you sit ponder and think about what happened that that's a one of the biggest reasons why this episode is actually good it's because of the because of the strength of the case yeah and this is a case they absolutely would have covered like back in oh, the day yes. on a hundred percent like this would this was a this was a strong uh show opener if you ask me like as far as the episode is concerned uh series opener uh, this was a very good episode one, and again, I, yeah. I feel kind of bad that you you your first experience with Unsolved Mysteries was the second episode, which was uh, I still like. Damn it, it Josh! Yes. <laughs> it's your fault. Yeah, sorry about that. That <laughs> husband just really pissed me off. I wanted to lay into him, but yeah, this this was a much stronger like opening to the series than uh, than episode two. Um, the last episode on Netflix is also really good. Um, mm-hmm. really demented. Um, okay. we'll get to that. Um, my feelings on the UFO episode is that it was really weak. It was probably the weakest one out of all of them, honestly, which, Ooh, which really, that's... yeah, it upsets me. You'll see when you watch it. It's, it's just really weak. Um, mm-hmm. and it's one of those that, that really does feel stretched out. And stretched too thin. Like yeah, it forty something. Minutes. Yeah, it felt no. very th- stretched thin, and it didn't feel like uh, the uh, like the whole lack of reenactment to me. Um, as far as oh, like, for the UFO one, that really that really does hurt. Yeah, like you're just okay. you're just kind of going off of people telling stories at that point, and when you don't have like stack narrating, I'd say with the UFO one, Stack's voice really, like, really helped with like like driving the story along and well, ghosts too i think if they did a ghost case it would be similar to the ufo approach then yeah i mean the reenactments really have to be right for for those cases and, and yes i mean there is something to be said about some of the reenactments of ufos and ghosts from the old episodes that they are a little corny the the effects are dated yeah but i mean know, if, they want, the if they wanted to they could make a good they could make a good looking ufo reenactment yeah just do it make a model or whatever and shoot it behind a green screen um but anyway i guess we'll save our more of our thoughts uh, for the ufo episode when we get to it so this is the case of ray rivera and uh the mystery on the rooftop so newlywed ray rivera disappears while his wife allison is on a business trip and uh, i don't know why that's there this is another unsolved.com thing like that that seemed like the why create a generic synopsis and start with it? I was just saying. In May of 2006, Ray and Allison Rivera uh, were married for six months and had been living in Baltimore for 18 months after relocating from Los Angeles when Ray was offered a job. Uh, now they're making plans to move back to California. Now, I don't understand what 
this is once again they need a different writer or a proofreader or something because I feel like my brain is like exploding when I'm reading the synopsis <laughs> on the unsolved.com of these new cases. You would think they would put more effort into the new cases. Since there's new cases, <laughs> not less. I don't particularly see the problem yet with their synopsis, but okay. I don't know. Well, I mean, it, well, it's it's the whole present thing. Uh, they're putting things in present tense. Oh, I got gotcha. you. Okay. They're saying now they're making plans to move back to California. Oh, I didn't. Even, my brain didn't even catch that. Okay, now, yeah, that's that's that is annoying. He's 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 not. Yeah. <laughs> how how are they making plans? Yeah, that's weird. That's weird that they're doing that on that article too. That's very bizarre. So yeah, Ray was offered a job. Uh, really, I think what it was, he took a job. Uh, from a friend of his. Yeah. Longtime friend of his. What was his name? Peyton? I don't remember. Oh, Stansbury. Something Stansbury. Yeah, I, th I think it might have been Peyton Stansbury. I think that's what it was. Um, so it was his friend, uh, Mr. Stansbury. Longtime friend. And uh, Rivera and Allison had been living in Los Angeles for most of their you know time together. And it's because he was a huge film buff. Like, he wanted to be a director and a writer. I can relate to that. And, uh, but screenplays were not paying the bills. Because he wasn't getting any, any you know, bids. People weren't buying any. And so, L.A. is a, is a rough, you know, market. And it's a, it's a very tough place to stay in if you aren't making any money. So he had this writing job that was offered to him by his friend, uh, Mr. Stansberry. And it was uh, some sort of business thing where he could write, you know, for Stansberry's business and so on and so forth. So he took it and moved to Baltimore and uh, took his wife with him. And it, it really, it started out very idyllic and, and was great. Like they were, uh, um, uh, Allison's talking about how we found a nice, really nice place to live and found this really uh, nice church community. And, and she was talking about how it just felt like, you know, things were really uh, turn, turning out well for us. And uh, then things came crashing down. Wow, that was a, I mean, it, they literally did come crashing down, so that was kind of yeah. an appropriate uh, analogy. Yeah, yep. So, uh, he's offered this job, he's working for this company, and then uh, he goes missing. Uh, on the evening of May 16, 2006, uh, Allison's out of town on a business trip when she tries to call Ray, but he doesn't answer. So, of course... That, uh, right off the bat, causes her to be a little leery of, of things. At 9.30 p.m., Allison phones her co-worker, Claudia, who is staying at, at the couple's home. Claudia tells her that at 6 p.m., she heard Ray answer a phone call and respond, oh, and then rush out of the house. Um, I don't think that's actually how it happened. Um, I don't remember it being described how he, he was just like, oh, 
<laughs> Nervous. <laughs> the, the phone call, all that they really knew about was that he was in a hurry. Like he heard, he got the phone call and then was like, I got to get up. I got to get going. Got to get out of the house. Uh, at 5 a.m. the next morning, Claudia calls Allison to say that Ray is still not home. Knowing that this is out of character for him, Allison immediately drives back to Baltimore, calling hospitals, police, friends, and family looking for Ray. She uh, also files a missing persons report with the police. Family and friends uh, also fly in to aid the search, but it doesn't turn up a single clue or witness. Uh, there's other things, like, for instance, uh, when they went to her home, she saw a lot of things that are typical of people who go leave in a hurry or go missing. You know, there's all these sort of, th- you know, things that are left behind that you would think that he would take more time or take more care to take care of them. Like, for example, his Invisaligns, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, uh, they aren't having any luck finding a clue or a witness or finding him. And then six days later, Ray's SUV is found in a parking lot next to the Belvedere Hotel in downtown Bar- Baltimore. The parking lot uh, and uh, actually the parking ticket, not the parking lot itself. The parking ticket shows that it has been there since the 16th. So the night that he disappeared. Ray's body was found later in the conference room of the Belvedere. And uh, it had been there for eight days. And the investigators were talking about it. And the guy who uh, was, I think it was like a, I'm trying to remember the right word for it, but he was kind of like a caretaker for the hotel. Right, yeah. And, you know, they're talking about it. And he was like, oh, it was a stench of a, of a dead body. And I can't even imagine that smell. You know, eight days of decomposition and the sight of that. Yeah, the sight would probably be pretty disturbing. I mean, as far as smell goes, like living in the country, we, you know, we've there's dead animals and shit that you walk up on and they definitely have like a very pungent stink uh-huh. to them. Death stink. And I, I imagine like a human being would be it'd be the same thing. Probably be a lot stronger, though. Yeah, bigger. You know. And I think at the same time, knowing that it's a human, that's what's, you know, that's what makes it even more unsettling. Right. Um. So, yeah, his body was found in the concert room of the Belvedere, but it, it was, of course, it was so badly decomposed, it's very hard to really get a lot of things uh, from the body, just, just from that uh, particular a bit of evidence. Um, but there were other peculiar stuff. There was a hole in the, in the ceiling of, of uh, this conference room area, which seems like it was, it's a room that's rarely ever used. They were talking about how it used to be a racquetball court or something, or it still had a racquetball court in it. It was just a, it was a part of the Belvedere hotel that a lot of people don't even know exists. And I don't think is even used that much. Yeah. Even at that time. 
So on May 24th, uh, uh, three of Ray's co-workers from Stansbury and Associates, a publishing company for where he works, decided to search for clues in the parking structure adjacent to the Belvedere. From the fifth floor of the parking structure, they look down on the roof of a lower annex of the Belvedere, and they see two large flip-flops, a cell phone, and glasses. Next to these items is a hole in the roof, about 40 uh, inches in diameter, I think, or 40, uh, is it 40 feet? Uh, yeah. I think it's 40, it's 40, 40 feet. inches. 40, 40 feet. 40 feet? Yeah. Okay. Because inches is way too small. Yeah. 40 feet in diameter. Overcome by the sense of dread, they call the police. When the hotel concierge, Gary Shivers, opens the door to the conference room that is under the hole, they discover Ray's body. Um, and these items, these are very in- interesting and uh, honestly kind of crazy clues because one of the flip-flops is damaged, but the other one is fine. It has just has some scuffs and stuff like that. But the cell phone is completely undamaged. There's no scratches on it. It's not broken in any way. And neither are his glasses. Now, that's the one, I mean, like, the cell phone and glasses is like, okay, this screams of a plant. Right. It just screams of it. Because even the investigators interviewed for this episode, even they're like, I thought this was a plant. And that's really what that's what I think too. So most people would think, because if you, if if we're supposed to believe that he fell from the roof of the Belvedere or from the ledge or or from any of these other places, it, it's completely unbelievable and illogical that his phone and his glasses would not be shattered or damaged in some way. Yeah, I mean, the glasses are pretty light, so I could see maybe those not being totally fucked up. But a phone, I mean, especially that phone, it looked like one of those older kind of ones. Glasses are easy to, they break a lot easier than you think when it comes to falling from, you know, a fairly high. Well, you're the glasses expert over there, not me. (laughs) I know. I I mean, but I got hit by a car, but I don't think, I think. I'm trying to remember, like, I think my glasses just flew off and broke. Oh. But yeah, the when cell they, phone, though, the that, that should have definitely been fucked up in some way. Because, uh, you know, that, that has some weight to it. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that, that fall, that's high enough to where that thing's going to hit terminal velocity. And it's going to smack that concrete. The glasses would have, at least a glass itself would have had some kind of damage from that height are glasses actual glass or is it like a plastic it depends and even from that particular height it's still going to cause some sort of damage i mean for instance if i actually did lose my glasses you know when i when i went on a roller coaster and i didn't catch them before they fell off the roller coaster they probably would have broke been broken you know, and, and and not and not just the glass, but like the material that like creates the uh, the earpieces and this other stuff. You know, like a lot of that stuff would would have had some sort of damage from that height. Um. So Allison and Ray's family, of course, are devastated by the news. 
Um, Allison talks about when she got the news, and it's really heart. It's really heart wrenching. She says she went to the police station, and it, uh, an officer gave her a, a mug of water. And she's talking about how like she couldn't even hold the water, the mug of water straight, you know, without like spilling because she was just so devastated with emotion. And if that isn't bad enough that she's lost, you know, the love of her life and, you know, that his family has lost him. Now the police are saying that it's a suicide. And I understand why there's a hole in the roof. There's a body, you know, it's one of those things where like, okay, it seems cut and dry. He jumped off the building, right? Yeah. But of course, you know, the, the friends and the family and Allison are saying, you know, he had no psychological issues. He exhibited no signs of stress or depression. Um, and what exactly was Ray doing at the Belvedere? Because it's not like he was a known customer. Uh, it's not like he knew anybody at the Belvedere that we know of. Uh, and the the episode really goes even deeper with this case. And, I mean, it's even more baffling. Uh, for instance, they don't have any footage of him go- being at the Belvedere, going into the Belvedere. They don't have anything like that. There's no footage. And there's no footage of him on on the the roof either because the camera was off. The camera wasn't working. That was supposed to record, you know, security cameras supposed to record footage, you know, of things right. that were going on right. on the roof. And on top of that, I mean, for for instance, I mean, this is a roof that is incredibly difficult to get to without knowing where it is and having the right permissions because in order to get to this the roof of this uh hotel you have to go through all these different places you have to go through doors that more more than likely are locked yeah i mean you you can't just go to a a place like that and you know, access the roof easily. It's a, no. it's a liability. So they're going to have it locked. It's going to be employee access only. You know, once you get to the top of that particular hotel, the Belvedere, there's no railings because it's such an old building. You, you're just on the roof and that's it. Like there's no railings or any safety yeah. net. It's, Allison was talking about that. Yeah. And she was like, because she went up there to, you know, investigate with her father and she was just like, I was terrified. You know, I'm terrified of heights anyway. And that there's no railings at all. And it was just very uh, overwhelming. And she was talking, you know, and she knew that Ray was also afraid of heights. So why would he be up there? Like, even if it was a suicide, why would somebody who's afraid of heights kill themselves in that manner? How would they even be able to get up there? If they were that afraid of heights. Yeah, I know. That's what makes it so weird. And they they still don't know how the hell he was able to get that kind of distance to where. Yeah, exactly. He was to where he made that hole through the top of that conference room on the ground because. I don't know either. Even because they looked at three different 
scenarios. Yeah, there's three different scenarios. The first scenario is that he just ran and just leapt off the roof. But even, you know, in, in the shape that he was in, there's still no way you would have gotten... He's wearing flip-flops, yeah, too. Yeah, there's no way you would have gotten far out enough no. to where you would have, you know, gone 40 feet off the ledge, you know. Then there was the other theory that there was this lower ledge that was a little bit closer. It was the parking, parking structure. Yeah, it was closer to the parking structure. Oh, my bad. I said conference room. Yeah, it was actually uh, the parking structure, I think, next door to the conference room area. Okay. So the, the theory is that he got up on the roof of that and then leapt. But that doesn't make any sense because it's not very high. It's only 20 feet. And it doesn't make any sense that he would have died from that fall. Yeah, they were saying uh, if he and- jumped from there... Uh, it it probably wouldn't have been like fatal, you know. But at the same time, even if he jumped from there, it's unlikely that he made it that far because right. it's not. It's, only it, it's a very, and at the same time, it's one of those instances where if he leapt, he more than likely would have landed uh, a lot uh, sooner, you know, at a, at a particular point that's not as far as the hole, because it, you know it's not like he's, his body bounced. He's not made out of rubber. Unless he was, and we don't know that. He's plastic man. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, there's a whole, like, if he was going to leap 40 feet, he had, what is it, fucking Spider-Man? Like, <laughs> he's not going to leap 40 feet. He's, a, he's, he's Superman. He's secretly Superman. He can leap uh, single buildings, you know, he can leap buildings in a single bound. Um, No. So the other uh, theory is that he got onto the ledge uh, of uh, some uh, some area on the Belvedere and then left leapt from there. But that doesn't make any sense either because most of the windows on the Belvedere are like open halfway, and he's a big guy, so it's not likely that he would be able to fit he was, through those he windows. Wasn't that big. He was kind of well. I mean, he was like they said he was like two hundred forty something pounds. No, and like six. Six five. He's six five. Oh well, maybe maybe he'd be that much if he was six. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's six foot five. He didn't look that tall in the wedding video. I I I, I know, but he was he was six foot five. I think that's what it says on 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 the the unsolved. But I mean, they could be wrong knowing unsolved with these new cases. But uh, his wife was even you know he's a big guy. He played water polo as well, so. Um, in terms of like, you know, muscles, in terms of, you know, that sort of stuff, in terms of his weight. Um, and on top of that, I mean, you'd have to be incredibly nimble, like a, a freaking ballerina or some winner of dancing, dancing with the stars to be able to go, uh, around these ledges without falling off to your death. That would have been at a completely different area and a different projector, you know, a different, um, trying to think of the right word um trajectory uh it, it just doesn't make any sense the suicide thing it just doesn't does it doesn't really add up and then the medical examiner uh after allison went in and talked to her the medical examiner was even like 
yeah, they're trying to do that. You know, you know, I'm not surprised they're trying to do this or something like that. Like some very cryptic kind of thing where she's talking about how, you know, the police are doing something that she's, she, you know, unfortunately she's not, you know, that surprised about when it comes to, you know, the, the, the actual cause of death. Um, she mentioned something about his shins and how his shins were broken, but she doesn't go, the metal examiner doesn't go any further into it and doesn't really provide any clues or, or, or idea of why or how that, that happened. So there's some cryptic stuff going on there. And then eventually the medical examiner declares the cause of death as undetermined. Not as a suicide, not as a murder, undetermined. Because he didn't have enough evidence to really say that it's a suicide. Yeah. Or that, that it, was, it was murder. And of course the cops were all like, you know, to the family, like, you need to just accept the fact that it's a suicide, man. And then, you know, Allison's like, no, why do I need to accept this? Provide me some evidence, some proof that my, my husband committed suicide, and then I'll think about it. Right. But we don't have any. They don't have anything. I, I mean, uh... And sadly, to this day, like, there are Baltimore police officers who are like, oh, yeah, that case, the suicide. Which leads you to believe that there might be some kind of legitimate conspiracy theory behind this. Well, then you get into all the craziness, like his notes and. Yes, exactly. Because uh, Allison, she believes Ray was murdered. I do, too. I think he was murdered. Um, and she wonders if his death is somehow connected to his work writing financial newsletters for Stansbury and Associates. Uh, speaking of Stansbury, his best friend, the guy that he had been buddies with since they were really young, was on his water polo team, gave him this job writing the rebound report or some other thing. I think it was, so, you know, I think, yeah, it was some rebound report thing. And... When he is asked by authorities to provide any information, he says no. He refuses. He refuses to talk about his best friend yeah. who's died. And he wouldn't even participate in the show. No, he wouldn't participate in the show. He wouldn't give any interviews to the police. And on top of that, he put a gag order on his employees, you know, on on his... Uh, Fellow employees. Because their their crazy uh, game that they were playing went too far, and now he's trying to cover it up. Honestly, that's not that much of... I think that that there's a potential that that actually might have been what happened. It was, you know, they were actually playing out a real-life game. A scenario that... that, uh, was featured in a, in a David Fincher film called The Game, um, which is actually one of the films that was listed on uh, Ray's very cryptic, weird note, which we'll get to uh, soon. But anyway, uh, Ray was wor- working, writing for this finan- financial, f- for financial newsletters for Stansbury and Associates, 
The Rebound Report provided financial advice to subscribers who paid upwards of $1,000 for each newsletter. The newsletter they show, it's like for Krispy Kreme or something. Something like that. Krispy Kreme donuts or something. Um, but in year, just makes me imagine, like, was this like a conspiracy involving Krispy Kreme? <laughs> of like all of of all of the conspiracies, like you would never assume that Krispy Kreme donuts would be involved in some kind of murder plot or murder conspiracy. Now, Dunkin' Donuts, yes. <laughs> Krispy Kreme, maybe not. Well, I mean, maybe, but it's just kind of, it's just, it's just kind of silly to think about, you know, like a donut company. <laughs> right. But anyway, uh, in years past, the company had been cited by the Securities and Exchange Commission for producing false leads. The call Ray received around 6 p.m. on May 16th was from those offices, yet no one came forward to admit that they made that call. I think that's a key bit of evidence. What that call was, what was said in that call. Because Ray really uh, went and left the house in a hurry as soon as he got that call. And on top of that, uh, in in uh, I think the weeks or a few you know days leading up to his disappearance and his, and his death, uh, there was some really weird shit going on at, at their home. Like at one a.m. for like multiple nights in a row, their alarm would go off. And Allison, she's talking about uh, the first time it happened, and she sees Ray come come down the stairs with a bat in his hands. And the way that she's describing him as being more scared than she's ever seen him being, that's to me that's a, that it seem, might seem like a little circumstantial evidence, but to me that really does point to the the uh, theory and, and to uh, the overall concept that Ray was deep in some kind of shit at this point. Like, either he knew something that he wasn't supposed to know, or there were people that, you know, were kind of pushing things, or he was feeling paranoid to begin with, and afraid. And uh, when it comes to businesses and big businesses that deal with lots and lots of money, yeah, um, uh, I, I I can totally understand why he would he would be feel paranoid in that particular instance. The police are called and they were like, "Oh, it's just a squirrel," um, but there was evidence to suggest that someone might have tried to break into the window, but didn't succeed. But here's the thing. It, it could have honestly been an animal. Um, but with the whole the whole cryptic nature of his disappearance and the phone call and his rebound report and the whole thing with Stansbury and Associates like not speaking to authorities at all, it, it just makes you kind of look at that and see it as more than just some coincidence. I don't know about you. What do you think about about that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just too weird, you know. I mean, it's got to be something like that. Uh, the guy, I mean, as far as we know, he didn't have any particular history of, like, mental illness where he could, 
potentially do something like this. There's that note that was taped to the side of his computer yes. that had all that mm-hmm. cryptic weird. This note, like that's the one thing that kind of makes me pause in terms of the idea that he has no mental illness. Like maybe he might have had some kind of, you know, uh, not a serious mental illness, but maybe something, but it wasn't diagnosed yet. That kind of thing. Yeah, he just wrote down the names of like all these people. Some were family, some were like celebrities. Uh, he wrote down like Christopher Reeves. He wrote down like movie yeah. titles. He wrote down like JPEG, MP3, like all these just random Invisalign. Yeah, yeah, like like it's almost like a fucking shopping list of some kind. It was like and even and in the way that he uh, started it out and the way the whole letter was was just very cryptic and weird and bizarre. And the FBI took a look at it and they couldn't really see any evidence to suggest that it was a suicide note, but they did you know, realize that it was, it was definitely strange and it was also hidden. It was like taped to the, the, the desktop computer case in the back somewhere. Um, and there was also references to like Freemasons and because there was a quote that Allison put into uh, Google and saw that it was actually a quote from the Freemasons. She knew that he was kind of into that kind of stuff Maybe it was a research for a, a script he was writing, or maybe he was actually looking into possibly finding a way to join the Freemasons. That's where you get into the conspiracy theory stuff. Yeah. And there's actually some legitimate connections to the conspiracy theory stuff, because he was into that. I don't even know like what the point of the Freemasons is like in current day. Like I don't get what... It's probably some really rich, uh, affluent kind of cult. Oh, there's that one you weird uh, that I, I don't know if we ever actually did the episode. What was it, Pine Grove or something? That that weird, uh, like resort in, uh, was it Washington? Is it Washington or somewhere? Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't. That doesn't ring a bell. I don't think we did that. Yeah, and like presidents have gone there, and they have all these weird like cer- yeah. ceremonies and rituals uh-huh. and shit. Like, yeah, we should do. We should cover that place sometime. So there's a lot of you know Alex Jones like snuck into there like back in the nineties. Uh-huh. Like that was like I think one of his first claims to fame was he snuck into this like super secretive secret yeah, yeah like that's what the freemason shit reminds me of is stuff like that yeah it's it's very similar to that and i think the freemasons might be connected to that but i also think that i think the illuminati is another thing um that people are talking about in connection to that kind of thing the pine grove or whatever um but yeah he was into that kind of thing and uh there were a bunch of films that he listed on there that dealt with twists and, you know, stuff. he was a huge fan of M. Night Shyamalan, you know, stuff like that. And even even his wife to this day, she's like, I, can't, I don't even know. I, this, this letter is just so disturbing to me because I don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't get it. I know that he likes these movies. I know, I know that, you know, he's a fan of this, this kind of stuff, but I just don't understand how it correlates to you know uh, what what happened to him now uh, there was a, a 
I think it was a, yeah, there was a Reddit user who mentioned that in the note, Ray uh, name drops the film The Game. Now, in this note, uh, apparently, uh, Ray writes on the last page that the game is up. On the page with the names of his friends, he calls them players, and underneath he writes Porter Stansberry. Uh, so it's Porter Stansberry, not, not Peyton. My bad. Uh, but that's why I kept trying to call him Mr. Stansberry, because I didn't remember his name. Porter is also not really a name I think of when it comes to a human being. Uh, when I think of Porter, I think of a Porter steak, Porterhouse steak. I don't, I don't think of a person. Sounds like a very high affluent name for somebody anyway. Porter Stansberry. Porter Belvedere Stansberry. Yeah, right? Porter? Like, no wonder I couldn't remember that. Um, but I was mentioning how uh, this Reddit user connects the dots with uh, the game and its, uh, and its connection to uh, Ray Rivera and what happened to him. Uh, on the last page of the note, uh, Ray writes, the game is up. On the page of the names of his friends, he calls them players, and underneath he writes Porter Stansberry, if he didn't do it himself. Uh, edit four, quote from Ray's note, that was a well-played game. Congratulations to all who participated. So this is talking about a game that was already played. Past tense. Uh, you can also see th- uh, two, you could see through the roof windows next to the hole caused by Ray. Um, and in the movie, the game, uh, the main character actually jumps off the roof of a fancy hotel and goes through the glass roof. So there actually are similarities to uh, the game and what happened to Ray. Now, Unsolved Mysteries creator Terry Dunn Moyer uh, apparently brought this woman, this girl's post to Ray's wife, Allison, uh, to take a look at, but she doesn't place any significance on the movie The Game. Although, um, seems like there's some connections. Makes me wonder, like, did Porter and his... Uh, you know, his buddies, along with Ray, did they actually play a game? And then, you know, things got out of hand. and Or maybe, you know, that call was about another game. And then something went wrong. And Ray got hurt or or, or died. Or he, he got hurt enough where he was going to, like, if he lived, he was going to sue or something. Or he was going to turn him in. And then they decided to kill him. Um... I don't know. It's a it's one of those cases like you you're after this is over you're just left with I don't have a clue. Right. It's almost like a UFO abducted I, him. Yeah. Or, or like a UFO took over his mind, abducted him and then just literally dropped him out of the sky into the into onto this uh parking garage. Yeah, or he was possessed or something. Yeah, it's a uh, Although I do agree with some people who are talking about how the letter does seem like it is from somebody who is dealing with some mental uh, health issues. But um, there's a lot of references, though, to the game. Like, a lot in that in that letter. So it makes it kind of seem like it's somewhat intentional. And it's, it's very uh, puzzling. 
Um, but yeah, uh, this is one of those cases, like the investigator said, like we won't really have a chance at solving this unless somebody comes forward, provides the details on the phone call, you know, that kind of stuff. Because I would not be surprised if there's some, this is one of those rare cases where I think there is a possibility that there is some legitimate conspiracy involved here. Like, uh, maybe not the Freemasons, uh, but maybe, you know, Stansbury and Associates. And maybe some people that they work with. Or some other, you know, bigger companies that were upset about the information that they were given. They lost a lot of money and, you know, they wanted to take uh, uh, Ray out as collateral. Um... And a good way to do that is maybe to have this, oh, we're doing another game night. And then really what it is, is a trap and a way for, you know, Ray to get killed. And, and you know, that's why he wound up at the hotel is because it's like, oh, we're doing another game. You want to join in? And maybe that's why he was like super like, I got to go. So I got another game. Got another game to play. Yeah, it's 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 fucking creepy. It's so fucking it weird. It is. It is. It was like a, such a good, it's such a perfect unsolved mysteries case because yes, I mean it's like that's the exact crap that. Well, not crap. Well, you know, it's that's the exact subject <laughs> matter that that you would that you want from that show. You know. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think happened? to ray um i've thought about it and i honestly have no fucking idea unless the dude just had like a fucking mental breakdown or like say he well i was almost gonna go the drug angle with it like say he tried some recreational drugs for the first time and had like a really bad trip but the thing is is he didn't they didn't find any drugs in the system yeah, well, and and he didn't run out of his house until he got that phone call. So something triggered. Yeah. So I don't think it was a drug thing, and I don't even know if it was a mental illness thing because he got the phone call and then he did it. It's not like he just did it unprovoked. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, you, you, you really I think you there's really definitely have, something you have to look into the Porter direction more. Yeah. His friend. Yes. I think there's some some connection with Porter and and Stansbury and Associates and 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 his death. Yeah, I really do feel he didn't want to be interviewed. You know, like he put a gag order on everybody before the police were even uh, able to interview a single employee of that company. Right. It's just that that all that you know, innocent people don't need to do that kind of shit. You know, so it's like. What what is what is this what does this person have to hide? You would think some friend, right? Yeah, you know. I mean, if he didn't take that job and didn't wind up in Baltimore, he probably he might honestly still be alive. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I feel bad for the guy. Uh, one more thing, I want. Yeah, I do too, and I feel bad for his family. You know, his brothers interviewed. He's talked about how you know we've moved on with our lives. You know, I have, I have kids, and my, you know, my sister, you know, have kids, and you know, I could, uh, she has kids. Yeah, I could totally relate to everything that guy was saying. He was basically like, you know, when we, when we have our family get-togethers, you know, there is still joy and all that, but 
you know, you can't fully enjoy it because there's something missing. And that's exactly how I felt ever since uh, my dad's passed away. Like uh-huh. you, you, you're all the family gatherings are never the same after that. Cause there's that important person yeah. who's missing. So I totally, yeah, you know, um, this is one of those cases where I think the longer, uh, running time actually helped it because you could, it was such a bizarre and fascinating case that more interviews, more context, more information, I think really just made it even more compelling. Um, and you know, as you're falling further and further down the rabbit hole, um, I also felt in terms of the editing and the cinematography, I felt it did a better job creating a a very eerie mood and atmosphere, especially the shots at night uh, of the building of the Belvedere. Um, I thought whoever did the, whoever did that cinematography and and direction, I thought they did a really good job with that, especially some of the shots that track down the building. Yeah. You know, from like up high above, like that created really a great, eerie sense some of tension. atmosphere yes some tension um overall uh th- this did remind me of you know the old school unsolved mystery sort of vibe i think it also helped you had a uh, home home uh home uh videos you know uh the the wedding video and some of the other stuff the the water polo and they had all these different pictures, and then they also had uh, news footage, news archive footage from you know when they were when Allison was initially starting the investigation, trying to find him. So I think that helped uh, really put you in this case uh, more, and that's a lot of the stuff that you would see on Unsolved Mysteries as well is the archival footage and stuff like right. that. A lot of the you know prime episodes of of, of this series. Yeah. But anyway, uh yeah, I don't know what else to say about this case other than yeah, I think Ray was murdered. I don't I don't believe it was a suicide. There's not enough evidence that really ties that together. Um there's more evidence that actually suggests that it wasn't a suicide. That's what's so crazy about this. And that's what makes me think there's a deeper conspiracy here. Like there it legitimately could have something where cops are being paid off. Or some secret you know, some really dark shadowy secret underground you know freemason thing and they know if like oh you know we're just gonna say it's a suicide because if we try to go any even further in this we're gonna disappear and our bodies are gonna be found somewhere so not gonna touch it not gonna do it (laughs) right it was a suicide all right so now i'd like to read you an entry (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh have you settled on a name no i haven't yet um he's got some teenage cringe over here so uh i used to blog in on this website called zanga back in the 2000s uh i'm i'm talking like 2004 up until like 2014 so for like 10 whole years from age 14 to age 24 i was blogging and writing down my feelings and uh <laughs> sounds like the stuff you see on Tumblr. Excuse me. Nowadays. Yeah, it's it's the exact same thing. Just emo, hormones, um 
<laughs> just, you know, whatever. So anyway, I finally found these the other day and uh I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna be man. reading entries out of these uh here and there just to just to give you this is like uh the perks of being a wallflower Josh edition. Um I might call this the perks of being a Josh flower. I don't know. <laughs> the main theme in all my diaries back then was pretty much like three things. I hate being fat. If I could only lose weight, then girls would like me. The second theme would be, why don't girls like me? What the fuck? I just want a girlfriend, but everybody thinks I'm disgusting. And then the third theme was, man, I really need to make it in music. I just want to be famous and everyone will regret that they weren't my best friend in the world once I become super famous. So those are the three themes of my adolescence <laughs> that I bitched about. So normal normal themes for adolescent teenagers. Uh I can yeah, I guess so. Um so yeah, this particular entry is from Monday, December 26, 2005. It's like when I try to talk about all my many problems I have with girls, I think I'm fixing something, but I'm really only just shedding light on how pathetic I really am. I'm tired, very tired, and not like sleepy. I'm tired of talking to girls that I know I probably have no chance with, but I just talk to them, digging myself deeper into the friends only zone. Why don't girls just come to me like they do every other fucking person in the world? And if someone tells me, oh, Josh, the right one will come, I interrupt their sentence with a shut the fuck up. I've heard that all before, so I hope nobody reads this. And if you do, don't comment, please. I don't care about your two fucking cents. Okay, I'm mad now. Bye. <laughs> I imagined you doing like a hair flip. Oh, yeah. Oh, so much sass. Just slapping my yeah. ass as I walk away. It's like, you know, I'm mad now. Bye. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it was good. Um that fucking South Park emo, you know, thing. <laughs> yeah. Should should I do another um, one or should I sit Go ahead. Right okay. ahead. All right. So <laughs> I haven't read this one. Hopefully I don't say anything too crazy. If I do, I might have to edit it. Because back in the day, uh oh, that's another thing I want to point out. My my liberal use of the word gay was just off the charts when I was young. Everything was gay back then. Oh, hey, that, I mean, that's so gay. This is gay. Everything's gay, gay, gay. Like, I just had no... You're not alone on that. There's a lot of, you know, uh, people your age, you know, that, that would probably admit, yeah... Yes. Yeah, we did use that quite a bit. I mean, I admit I I used to be like, oh, that's gay, you know, or something. I used to do that, too. So. All right. So this is Saturday, November 19th, 2005. The perks of being a Josh flower. I've been running a lot, exercising and shit, trying to lose weight. It's week one. I finished my first week of running. I feel better. I don't look any different in my opinion, though. But anyway, nothing much has been happening lately. It's becoming winter, and that queer winter depression is starting to rear its ugly head. I'm supposed to be going up to Murray Hill tonight. The main objective is to hang out and have fun. I also get to see Casey there, my ex. Scroll back a year in these entries, and you will see what I mean. Yeah, she will be there. Haven't seen her in months. Should be cool. I'm glad I've been exercising so I will look slimmer, or the same, instead of fatter. I don't know what I'm hoping to achieve by this little rendezvous, but hopefully it will be something I can take away in happiness. 
I hope it's just a it's not just another disappointing wasted night like most of these seem to turn out. Oh yeah, good news. Last night I bought a Rush VHS through the camera eye. I I think it's like a live performance or the band's music videos. Either way, it should be pretty sweet. So Christmas is coming and all I want is a 4003 Rickenbacker bass, but it's like $1200 so I don't think I'm going to get it. Oh well, I got so much stuff right now. I don't really need anything else. I'm still figuring out new things on the synthesizer that I've had for two years now. By the way, I still have that same exact synthesizer. Now I've had it for like 12 years at least. Or, Do or, you have the Rush tape? I never got through the camera eye. I got a show of hands. That was the VHS tape I bought. I don't know why. Uh-oh. I don't know why 15-year-old Josh thought he was getting through the camera eye. That was another VHS tape that existed though. It's hard to find now. Anyway... I haven't been able to sleep good lately. This whole past week, it's taken me like an hour to fall asleep. And last night, I couldn't go to sleep worth a crap. I think I'm going through another one of those cycles where I'm about to have another weird complex of some sort. It seems like I have to pay for all the time I was happy and wasn't having problems with some other weird random brain dysfunction. When will this end? A little hint, old Josh, never. It will never end. It will continue up (laughs) until your 30s. Other than that, I guess I'm pretty happy. I'm scared about college. I don't know what the fuck I want to do. I know I'm good at music, and I know I would love to play in a band and stuff, but that isn't looking very positive right now. Oh, and, but as for my friend Josh Delacruz, that, that used to be my best friend back in school, uh, things are looking great. He's almost signed to a fucking record label. That was my dream! Why the fuck does he get to live my dream? Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Life is so unfair. I hate these perfect little fuckers who seem to get a get-out-of-jail-free card as soon as they're born. Either way, they are set up in a good situation because of the family they are born into, or everything just seems to fall into place for them in their life. Could this all be because Josh's path with God is on the straight and narrow and mine isn't so much? Perhaps. It's too hard to live like that, though. It seems like there's too much worry about sinning when it's just inevitable for everyone. Like, you're constantly walking on eggshells about everything, and he's straight edge. That has to be one of the stupidest things I've ever heard of. Okay, you're not noble. You're not going to gain extra strength. You're not going to gain any extra vitality by not drinking caffeine or taking medicine or soda. That is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. Why would you do that to yourself? He is in a stupid phase right now, and my friend Zach is just a drugged-out dick. He used to be so cool, but now all he is is a pothead. I mean, big time. Every day he smokes pot, and I'm not even exaggerating. Every frickin' day. And he kind of spazzed out on me Friday. I confronted him on his huge drug addiction, and he got pissed and copped an attitude. I seriously thought I was going to have to fight him. All my cousin does is party now on the weekends. I wish I could do that stuff, but my body won't let me. Panic attacks usually set in. Maybe that's why God gives them to me. Half my friends are druggies, half of them aren't, and my friend Brian is really my only friend I can bear to hang out with at this point. He's real. He has his own beliefs, and his beliefs are similar to mine. But he isn't it oh, He isn't as fun as Josh, but and them, but oh well. He makes up for everything else with his great personality. Uh so yeah, that's my life these past few weeks. Like it or hate it. All right, see you guys. <laughs> another hair flip yeah um, you know what's funny is that the 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 um i'm trying to think of the right word uh <clears throat> the way that the emotions just uh play out 
like you know in this they really are a roller coaster yeah in this post well puberty like, puberty is a real like, thing <laughs> well yeah i know the, but i mean it just perfectly captures that time you know where you're like oh everything's fine you know I wish things would be better, but you know, things are looking up. And then, like, fuck my best fuck friend, Josh. Him. He's living my dream. Everything sucks. Nothing's going my way. Yeah, the funny thing is, is like, yeah. I'm reading this shit, and it's like, I, uh-huh. I do not recognize this are you, person. Are you cringing? You're, you've got to be probably cringing. Oh, yeah. It's like, I can't believe I was ever that. Uh, like, I've only read you guys two posts. This is going to be like a weekly thing yeah. now where I just give you excerpts <laughs> every week. Because I, I literally wrote in this thing for 10 years. So I have enough material here. <laughs> Trust me. Like, I have plenty of material. Yeah. But the thing is, is whenever I, I read through these, because I read a lot more than, you know, just those two posts. And mm-hmm. m- the main thing back in the day for me was like, I never took responsibility for anything. Like, I blamed yeah. all my unhappiness on everyone else. It was ev- You're the victim. I'm the victim. It's everyone else's fault that I haven't achieved my goals and my dreams. And I'm fat, and that that's why so, I'm not getting girls. And, uh-huh. and that that's also something that happened to me because I was a victim. You know, yeah. it wasn't because I ate like shit. Oh, no, it was, uh-huh. you know, the whole thing was so, just fucking... Do you remember how any of these things actually played out? Like, for instance, uh, the uh, trip to wherever it was, you know, where your ex was going to be. Oh, Murray Do you Hill. remember anything about that? Uh, kind of. I used to... Murray Hill Theater is, like, a, a concert venue. Like, now I live, like, right down the road from it. Uh-huh. Um, but it's a Christian music venue, so that's why my parents were so okay with me going. And Casey was a chick who was, like, my first real huge crush like i yeah. liked her so much she was so gorgeous and uh-huh. her personality was mysterious and she was just like that stereotypical girl in the movie that per that seemingly perfect girl who always seems uh, like she's okay. at a distance like you could never quite have her and mm-hmm. oh she's gonna be at the the football game tonight and and it just gives you a reason to live like your emotions were that volatile as a teenager like so it was just a crush was it an ex or yeah we dated we dated for a few weeks back in in junior high and her mom actually forced her to break up with me because of one one little flap in study hall with her brother brandon who was such a little cocksucker he threw a he threw a pack of crackers at me and the the pack busted open and they went everywhere and the study hall teacher was like josh clean that up and i was like i didn't i didn't do that brandon threw those at me and brandon's like he's a liar i didn't do that and then brandon that sucks yeah and then brandon (laughs) went home and told uh casey's mom that i was a bad influence and i was a horrible person wow yeah so cock knocker. oh yeah so casey's mom uh made her break up with me over the phone and casey's mom was listening on the line while she did it because i was like what the hell what do you mean you break up with me and she kept trying to be like josh uh you know please just don't because she couldn't be like my mom's listening right now so just don't say anything stupid like so awkward yeah and sad yeah so-, so there's a lot of stuff with this with your with your recollections here I do sympathize with you. I'm like, oh man, that sucks. And then it turns into like, fuck my best friend. Uh-huh. I was so jealous, <laughs> dude, because like all my friends back then. What happened to him? 
Josh moved to Orlando and he became a youth pastor, which doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, he's still probably a pretty cool dude. But the thing about me and Josh now is that like our lives are so different. Like he's really into like the whole God thing. And uh, mm. I think with his high profile in his church, like just him hanging out with me. Because if he hangs out with me, I'm going to want to go to a bar. I'm going to want to go yeah. do something like that and have a beer. He doesn't do any of that stuff. And it would make his, it would hurt his reputation to be seen at a place like that. I think. I think that's how they play it now. So, yeah, he's a, I don't know. Look what happened with Tammy Faye Baker and, you know, and, and her husband and, you know, or, or that one guy. It's a click, man. All either. it's all a click. Yeah. It's a click, and it's they all have their own, their own kind of rules to be a part of the click, and the whole, mm-hmm. you know, that whole vibe that he's got going on around him is that like, you know, you don't go to bars, you don't do this. I don't know what he does actually. We've really like fallen, you know, out of touch. Um, yeah, I just assume that like he's living such a different life than me now. We really wouldn't. Are there any of the other friends that you mentioned here? Like, are you in contact with any any of the others? The guy, that you mentioned? the guy Brian that I mentioned at the end of the post, uh, he really was like one of my only friends at the time that that I felt I could kind of relate to the easiest. Mm-hmm. He was kind of nerdy. Uh, he actually had Asperger's uh, as well. Oh, uh, okay. so. I don't know, like, he was kind of awkward, and I guess he made he made me feel better about myself, because I was like, oh, man, this guy's kind of a doofus. Like, I'm I, I'm at least cooler than Brian. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things. I feel awful it's like, I'm saying that. Yeah, I feel so yeah, bad yeah. Oh, that I'm man. saying that, because I still like Brian and everything, but, like, you know, I don't know. I, I just, uh, I don't know, man. You lost contact with him? Yeah, he moved away. Um, to Virginia or something for like years. Okay. He actually lives in Jacksonville. He moved back to Jacksonville, but we we like never talk or anything. Like I, it's like we've been apart for so long. It's it's kind of like what's happened with some the friends I had in high school. Like I got in caught back in contact with them briefly years ago when I got back on face when I got my Facebook account, and then you know they've gone and done their thing, and I just haven't really we haven't really come in contact or, or really you know had any sort of like you know conversations or you gotta work or, you gotta guess, work you know, on it it's like a plant i mean it's it sounds yeah. really corny but like friendships are like a, a, a flower i think it's you something to that water it yeah and i take think care of it yeah or it'll die I, yeah i also think it's on both sides you know you, you know both people have to make know, an effort right and and make an effort a lot of times it, you know with my friends my old friends it, it it's it's you know i'm reaching out to them they're not reaching out to me and i'm just busy doing like trying to live my own dreams and and yeah. you know do my own stuff nowadays so well it just know. makes me realize you know maybe they weren't really that we weren't really that close well you know that's what with. they say you know high school my mom told me yeah. when i was graduating she's like you you know i i hate to say this but you're probably not going to see any of those people again and i'm like no way because i you know i saw them every day and we were like super close or so i thought and uh-huh. you know yeah. i was like no we'll keep in touch and I mean, my mom was exactly right. Like about a year or two after high school, like I did, I never really saw anybody yeah. again. I, I will say you are one of my closest friends. Uh, there's another, uh, you know, friend of mine that I've met online. And then there's someone I met in college, you know, who, you know, we're really close, we're really tight. 
and you know that I met him at Clark, Clark College. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like you know that was years, many many years later, and in, even in a different state. So yeah, you know, friendships are are a weird thing. They're like they have a usefulness to them until they don't. Like when they stop being useful, then you just kind of discard that person, and it's weird because it's like we're both getting something out of this until we're not and then at that point it's like you just kind of throw it away you know like it never even Mm -hmm. existed or something but yeah yeah, it's trippy to look back at these times and i i will say like in terms of like you know your past self compared to yourself now i mean for instance like you did you have lived your dream in a lot of ways with your your music and and i and i think you're definitely a talented uh, musician, and you got you got a good uh, product. Uh, it's just unfortunate with the circumstances right, right. now. Yeah, you tell know, me in about terms it. of touring and all of that. Um, but I guess I want to end with this kind of thing. Like, if you were to talk to young Josh, who's writing these particular posts, like, what would you what would you tell young Josh? What I would tell young Josh, because I've kind of already thought about this, uh, and I yeah. didn't even know you're going to ask me this, but um, I I would tell young Josh to calm the fuck down about expectations of mm-hmm. of what of what you think you should be getting out of life at 16 and 15 years old. Like, settle the fuck down. Stop worrying about what everyone else. You know, you're perceiving things through your own head you're looking at other people going oh my god this person's getting laid so much and this person's in a band and everyone's doing better than i am and a lot of times that's not even it may look that way but it's not really that way and so i would say like settle down on worrying about what everyone else is doing and work on yourself and i kind of did because i did eventually lose weight obviously i mean i'm not fat i haven't, haven't been fat in a long time and that was a that yeah. was a big thing for me when I was a teenager. I was always over I was overweight for my whole teenage years. I, w- I was fat in junior high, and and you know that you know that there really is a stigma with that. There is oh yeah, 100%. you're yeah you were outcast. Like if you don't look like yeah, if you're not if if kids care about body image like the most when they're in that that age. Like when you get older, I mean shit, women start to get like oh i like the dad bod like i hear that a lot now from women like oh i like guys with you know a, a paunch on their belly and like a beard i guess i'm i'm in good shape then i and, guess and uh, the second thing i would say to young josh is stop stop uh worrying so much about cuz i say a lot in my journal entries uh, you know, I gotta make this band thing happen. I gotta do this. It's gotta happen now. Like, dude, ch- I, basically, I would just tell Young Josh, chill the fuck out, dude. You're doing everything. You're doing everything right. You're learning how. You're uh-huh. you're honing your instruments. You're you're learning your instruments. You're learning how to use the programs. Uh, you have a passion for it. Just keep following that road, and you know. You could, you could, you know, be like, stop rushing. Yeah, things. pretty much. Stop. Like, th- this isn't a race. <laughs> like, chill out. You yeah. know, calm the fuck down. Like, like it'll be okay. That's basically what I would, I would say. 
But as these installments continue, you guys will hear that I <laughs> I was quite the bitter, angry old man for being so young. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of things that, that made me that way. It was it's mainly other kids rejecting me at all corners. Yeah. Because even before I mean, school, like before middle school, before elementary, yeah. there was church and there was a church kids and... I have never been so perfectly ignored than I was in church. Those kids ignored the fuck out of me. Like, I did not exist. I, w I went to a Sunday school thing, and they bullied me. And then I was like, no, I don't want to go back there. I mean, Mom's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. And and, and she's like, that. I didn't think that was going to happen. That's unfortunate. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got bullied, too. <laughs> like, when they did finally talk to me, they fucking bullied Cause, me. Yeah, because you would think, like, oh, it's church camp. You know, they're, like, nice. They're not going to be mean to oh, you. Oh no, they were just little they were little <laughs> jits from the neighborhood and they all went to the same yeah. they all went to the same public school and I didn't go to that school. So like they saw each other every day. So by the time Sunday came around, they already were like super tight with each other and I was homeschooled. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I just look at I just There's another stigma with that. No, I know. Sure. I just look at myself when I was younger. I feel so bad from like it's like man i have so much like confidence now and like i yeah. was like so the opposite of that and i'm like really proud that i was able to like you should be grow out of all that but like looking at my upbringing like i had a sad future ahead of me i mean i i didn't even know i would even be where i am right now doing you know having the courage to you know start a podcast with a total stranger because you know it was just completely uh my self-esteem was incredibly low and you know i i wasn't confident in myself and you know i i it's just one of those things that it's i i think you can look at the same year trajectory in the same way that it's impressive that both of us have you know overcome these hurdles because you know it, it it's it's if we look back and we just you know try to put ourselves in that mindset it's it is depressing it is like you can understand why our past selves were like it, this sucks you know nothing's gonna ever turn out good for me you know yeah and you and because, i think as a as a kid you look at adulthood as like this official thing where you're supposed to have everything figured out by the age of 20 like and we don't know we don't even have everything figured out right, right. now. It, that that's the weird paradigm shift of of how you think it is when you get older you see that that 15 year that 15 year old that you were you basically always stay that same 15 year old the the, the numbers chronologically on the calendar just get up uh -huh. but the mentality like you still like i still think and feel the same but i'm i've i've added a lot more maturity mature. and perspective yeah. and i've gotten a perspective is a big yeah thing, yeah sure. and and you know a, a, i've let go of a lot of that negativity that i held on to for so long uh i was the, one of the most negative people ever and you know none of my friends really liked that about me and they would try to tell me about it and i i wouldn't want to hear it that was another thing. I couldn't accept criticism at all. I could oh, I could dish it yeah. out, but I couldn't take it. Uh -huh. Like, I could criticize people all the live long day. I could, I could totally see why, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't want to be around you, yeah. if that's the case. I mean, they did because I was funny. Like, I was a funny... You, yeah. You, you, won't, you won't see any funniness in the, these journal entries, <laughs> yeah. but, like, I was a funny-ass 
person, like yeah. in person with my. Fr- That's the main reason they kept me around was because I was entertaining. But yeah. when it came to my. I mean, I was I wasn't always negative, and that's but, such an interesting dichom- dichotomy. Yeah, you know, it, you, you know, you're the funny guy, but you're like also well, who, you know, most you know, stand up incredibly negative. Most stand up comedians are so, off stage are some of the most miserable people you'll ever meet. Yeah, and that that's what's crazy about it. It's like because you 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 just associate them as the funny guy. You know? Yeah, I mean, to make and Robin Williams had dealt with a lot of you know serious depression throughout a, a good chunk of his life i mean co- comedy is tragedy tragedy plus timing so people who are good comedians they're seeing the world for kind of what it really is and they're finding a funny take on it but that doesn't take away from the fact that they're always having to experience this world uh and they see it for how fucked up it really is all the time yeah. and it weighs on you your psyche yeah, it would and and them doing stand-up is almost like their therapy to like get it out you know like yeah. Because everything that all the great comics have joked about are kind of like these problems that they're having, but they put it, they they mask it in such a funny way that it becomes humorous. Like with Carlin, like Carlin, for instance, I think he generally probably hated. Oh, dude, and you know what was going Carlin's on later in society. In Carlin's later stand-up career, like his '90s and 2000s stuff, he had he had basically given up on humanity at that point. He was just a huge misanthrope. He hated people. He hated society. He had no wish to be a part of any of it. And his his last two albums were just scathing commentary on yeah. humans. Uh, he just he, yeah. he, he, they're hard albums to listen to. Uh, yeah, I I recommend if you guys really want to hear like some raw, edgy, like old angry old man uh, take on the world listen to george carlin's album you are all diseased uh yeah that. but i i think it's you know it, 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 there's something refreshing about that you know the the in the the ability and the willingness to speak openly you know about you know the 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 reality uh, around you yeah and in in a self-deprecating and you know humorous way i mean because carlin's scathing but he's still a master comedian, you almost feel so. like your hand is being held as he's guiding you through the, all this awfulness because you're getting the punchlines. you're getting a guided tour of hell <laughs> you know i mean that's yeah that's one way to put it but it's i don't know it, it's uh i don't know how we got off on yeah that i've seen i've seen a lot of uh, yeah i mean i just it's just a similar sort of thing you know in terms of viewing the world you know in, in, a, in a negative way but at the same time being you know a, a funny Funny guy. Yeah. So this, this, so the official name for this series is the perks of being a Josh Flower. <laughs> um, I know not many people will get the reference. Did you ever see the movie The Perks of Being a Wallflower? I actually haven't seen that one yet. I, I think I've I've seen a trailer. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. It was based on a book that everyone was reading around that time. Oddly enough, and the book dealt with like this person who went to this mental, this teenager who went to a mental institution because they were depressed. Mm-hmm. And it was basically letters that this friend was writing to someone else. I forget what the context was, but it was just a completely emo book. I almost feel like emo music came from that book because it, it, they were teenagers <laughs> and they were in love and things didn't go right. And they, you know, the person self-harmed and this, that and the other. Uh-huh. And it was just really that that visceral like teenage 
the hormonal intense feelings that being a teenager teenage wasteland you know gives you or whatever like i feel like a lot of that was really encompassed in that book so i th and it was big around the time that i was in school so the perks of being a josh flower is is uh gonna be this series <laughs> and maybe it'll maybe it'll make other people who listen to it maybe it'll remind you of your uh you know growing up or adolescence and you know maybe it'll make you your childhood cringe yeah it, it'll make you feel uh nostalgic or introspective or maybe it'll help you realize that you've come a long way since you were a teenager yeah all right so anyway that's the end of the podcast if you want to subscribe to our patreon you can do so by going to patreon.com slash un uncovering unexplained mysteries you get the podcast early and you can also give us recommendations for what episodes you want us to cover we do have the recommendations from some people uh, who have uh, suggested cases for us that we're lo looking into, but we had to at least get some cursory new episodes of Unsolved Mysteries covered, um, but we will look into those other ones. We're going to have an Australian month or whatever because we were sent uh -huh. all these damn Australian yeah. movies <laughs> about these famous murder cases in Australia. Uh -huh. And our Australian fran uh, fans are all super nice, so you know it'll be maybe it'll be fun for them to hear about some like local... Like Snowtown yep. was sent to us, which was apparently a, I don't know anything what it's about. I'm going into it fully blind and you know not expecting anything, just to you know, you know. So it hits me fresh. Mike has the same movies. So anyway, mm -hmm. if you want to join our Facebook group, it's super interactive and all the cool kids are doing it. Uh, go to Facebook.com. Uh, you can type in "Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries." Click on the Groups tab, and you'll see our group. Um, and finally, if you want more me and Mike, but you want us separately, well, you're in luck because we both have YouTube channels. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He does movies. What was the last video you did, Michelle? Last video I did is a review of a, a film based on a true crime case called American Animals. It was about these group of, uh, arrogant asshole, uh, young adults who were bored in their lives and were looking for excitement, so that they decided to come up with a plan to steal priceless works of art in terms of these rare books from this university. Um, and the movie covers that. Um, I call it Arrogant Assholes, because that's really, honestly, that's a, you know, American Animals, Arrogant Assholes, because they're a bunch of arrogant asshole young adults. I'm bored. I want to do something with my life. Let's be criminals. <laughs> okay, well there you go. If you want to, yeah. you want to learn more about that, then go on over to Mike's YouTube channel. But what's interesting is it it is uh it's at points it's a documentary, but then it's also a docudrama. So it's like both uh, blended together, which doesn't necessarily work. But there's some interesting stuff. I'd recommend it if it sounds interesting to you. You know, with uh, the heist angle, the true crime stuff. I mean, it's the first time I heard of Transylvania University. Huh. That's a that's a real university in the United States. Um, but yeah, it's 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 well acted. It's it's got a lot of you know the direction is good. I mean, who knows? You know, you might like it more than me. But uh, I still thought it was okay. But yeah. All right. Arrogant. Right assholes. on. Uh, so go over there if you want to check out Mike's content. If you want to check out my YouTube channel, it's youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Dancing with ghosts. Um, we're also on Spotify if you want to check out my band's music. 
But the last video I did was a review and response to The Last of Us Part 2 on PlayStation 4 that was released recently. How How is your view counts for that? Because you definitely have a I, controversial, different opinion. My view, on, that video that. was a fucking flop, bro. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, that was a bomb. Which does suck because I thought I did a good job on that video. Like, I thought I... And you thought maybe your contrarian opinion, you know, might you know, get more views or at least, you know, hate views from people, but apparently you're not even getting. No, that. I'm not. What I think happened was because, yeah, dude, this 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 video is three days old and it only has 118 views. And this game just came out two weeks ago. There is no reason and my thumbnail look good and everything. There's no reason why that video should have gotten that little of views with my channel. At this point, if I release something that's current you know, with a good thumbnail and everything, I like my videos will at least get five or six hundred views, you know, or maybe more. There are some videos I release that I know aren't going to do that well, like my tier videos, like those take a while for those yeah. to build up. There's, they do. There's some that surprise me on my channel. Yeah, they do eventually um, get views, but it takes a while. But with that Last mm -hmm. of Us 2 review, like I think what happened is YouTube was automatically um like I think YouTube because that was such a big game and so many people were spoiling it. I think YouTube put automatic like filters in there. Like yeah. I mentioned Abby in the title of my video and she's a character in the game that is kind of spoily. And I named I at first I named the video. I'm an Abby apologist because everybody hates Abby um and i won't spoil the game but abby does something to one of the main characters that pisses everyone off mm -hmm. but once you play the game and you go along through the story abby has her own shit and you start to sympathize with her at least i did and that's why i didn't understand why everyone hated her so much and so i was just offering like a, like a slightly contrary point of view um and the video just no one saw it like only my dedicated people who keep up with mm -hmm. my channel watched it because it's like the i've never had a video that was this current that's done this poorly so i don't know what's up i've with that. i've had i've had videos like that i've done i've done i've uploaded reviews of movies that came out uh that weekend and haven't done what do you think what's your well. theory on that like why do you think that is uh youtube's a fucking uh it's it's I'm trying to think of the right word for it. YouTube is like one of those like uh, ball pits, but it's like extremely, you know, like enlarged. It's just like it's like the, a ball pit that's like hundreds of miles wide and deep. So, and and all of the videos are like individual balls in the ball pit. So it's easy. It's very difficult for one to really differentiate from the other and really stand out. I guess, yeah, I guess there's just so much, there's just, there's just so much content that's uploaded on YouTube like every day. And I think also YouTube is also actively with their new algorithms and stuff. I don't think they're really promoting channels that aren't trending or aren't already popular either. It doesn't help when you, you don't have you know, that many views, you don't have a whole lot of subscribers, so then your your video is not pushed up on the list in order for other people to check it out and their recommended, you know, thing. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I do it for the love of, of movies and, and just the love of just sitting down and talking about things and they're there. And for the few people that actually do like what I do. So, yeah, I mean, I just put a lot of time into that fucking video and I, it, it, and I it was emotionally taxing cause the video is really mm-hmm. like intense, uh, as far like the video game itself, the story and everything. Um, and it's especially intense, like if you've lost like a, a loved one, like it kind of hits close to home. And so it took a lot out of me emotionally. And I thought at least I could get the payoff of like getting a lot of views from the video review. And when that when I checked my views the next day, I was like so pissed off. I was like, what? This video's only gotten 72 motherfucking views. Are you kidding me? Like. I mm-hmm. figured I'd wake up and it would have already like 600 or some shit. Cause I'm telling you all the videos that are reviewing that game are like doing really well. So I think it's because I mentioned Abby, I think YouTube was filtering out or something. Cause it thought I was like spoiling it or trying to spoil it. So I literally think it blocked it from most people being able to see it. So, and I, ha- I had dropped the video on Sunday, which I think is generally not a good day to drop new videos. So, yeah, from what I've heard, actually, is Thursday is like one of the best days. Interesting. I guess for uploading, you know, videos. I, I know the weekend in general is not a good time to upload videos because people are generally like out doing things. I don't know. With me, it just, I, I, it just, <laughs> it's fucking randomness. Like it doesn't matter when I upload it. It's just like some videos will get more views than others, and that's just how. Yeah, it, there's no like I don't understand these channels that build like a consistent following because I'm like, what's the formula? I haven't been able to figure it out. You know, like a lot of it's who you know. Yeah, and once you find the formula, you stick with it ad nauseum you never stop (laughs) yeah like i saw this this is gonna sound crazy um i found this video of this woman who transitioned to be a man and then realized oh shit i made a big mistake i don't want to be a guy and then detransitioned back into a female and Uh her title came up on the her video came up on my recommended videos and the title was so intriguing like oh i gotta hear about this and since I watched her one video, now all her videos are coming up in my recommended and literally all her fucking videos are are about they're just variations on the same theme of her detra- or detransitioning back into a woman. Uh-huh. And she is, like you said, ad nauseum, just beating the dead. Like every video is so similar. And I just can't do that. I just can't make videos like that. Like, if I have a video that's successful, I just can't bring myself to, oh, now now let me put out, you know, let me ride this wave and put out a bunch of videos that are similar to that. I just can't do that, man. It's like... Yeah, I, you know, that, me me neither. I I like, you know, doing videos that that I want to do, you know, I don't want to just review popular movies and, you know, I I don't want to do that. Yeah, (laughs) I mean... I don't know. I'm making I'm making a little bit of money off the Google AdSense every month, so that's cool. Good. You know, that's that's a nice. I'm making nothing, but but I get some donations through PayPal, <laughs> so you know it 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 balances out. Is that because out. you're still part of that MCN? Uh, no, I get donations through PayPal from subscribers who are like, "Hey, review this," or you know, "Hey, here's some." Here's some bread. Maybe I'll join your Patreon so I can uh, make you review a movie. 
<laughs> you, you mean send me a paper send pin me a PayPal a request? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I'd like to see you review. I'd do I'd it. like to see you review the wall. Have you seen that movie? Uh I I've seen clips of it and I have it on DVD. Um so I mean I mean, for you, like I could easily, you know, just free requests. Oh wow! But paid, but paid, paid requests get priority. Like, like our Patreon, right. you know. All right, guys. Uh, this podcast has gone on too long. This is probably all going to be B roll that you're listening to right now. Well, actually, this will be an edit. Now I've just come out of an edit, probably. And <laughs> all right, that's the end of the podcast. And um, until next week, I hope you have a good rest of your night. Sorry, I was like such a tired, hungover piece of shit at the beginning of the podcast. And now I have seemingly woken up uh, <laughs> as the coffee has kicked in. Anyway, uh, till next time. Bye. See ya. Now it's time for me to play you a new song from my band, Dancing with Ghosts. If you like the song, check us out on Spotify and like us on Facebook. Thank you very much. Can I see you? I can show you a really good time. When are you free again? Tell me why do you never reply? No, you can't be reasoned with. Too many questions can't take a hint. No, I don't know write your back. Stop staring at me like that. I wanna touch you. Am I making it perfectly clear? Don't you dare deny me. I just want you to leave me alone